This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4 ESPN Tucson. I may be in the minority here, but this is my favorite Phil Collins song ever. Susudio? Yeah, I think this is my this is his best work. And he's, he has a lot of great work. That's interesting. Trust me. Considering Friday you told Ali that the Tarzan soundtrack is the pinnacle of Phil Collins' work. Uh, see, why do you got to bring up old stuff, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> like like every, uh, I guess, stan of every musical artist, you hear something and you're just like, oh, man, this is, this is why he's the GOAT, this stuff right here. It's like, well, no, last week you said something different. Um yeah, Phil Collins, man. Just amazing, amazing work right there. Uh, Susudio, can't can't get enough of that. Uh, all right, so we got two more hours left of today's Spears and Ali. This hour of Spears and Ali is presented by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. We will, uh, we'll talk to Brendan Deeg from The Score coming up at 425. We'll talk to him about the latest NFL headlines. And also uh, some NFL draft stuff coming up here. Uh, the NFL draft combine is uh, this week, and I'm curious to see what a what a guy like Tucson's very own Bajan Robinson is going to do at the NFL draft combine. Um, and, and see, the thing about Bajan is that I mean, one his his speed is unreal. The way he's able to kind of shift gears and and change his foot on a, on a dime, the way he's able to make cuts, it's unreal. It's almost like Barry Sanders-esque. Now, the thing about Bajan is is that, and I feel so bad for him, is because he has a lot of things kind of stacked against him. One, he's a running back, right? I think he's really a top 10 pick. But since he's a running back, there's this, well, it's not a narrative. This is actually the case. You know, you don't usually like to take running backs in the first round. Um, but Bajan Robinson is is a generational talent. He really is. And he's not just a running back. You should go and look at some of the catches that he made in his last year at the University of Texas. So he's not a one-trick pony. This guy is everything you want in an offensive superstar at the next level. But again, there's the the... The thing about running backs that we just can't get over. How dare you draft a running back within the first 10 picks of the draft? Um, and if you're a running back, you got to have that that top speed. you got to be running in the four threes if you even want to be considered a first-round pick. And I'm curious like if Bajan ends up running like a low 4-5 or something like that, that people are going to use his 40 time against him, which should never be the case. You go look at the film of his time at Texas, and you tell me if that guy is a great running back or not. I think Bajan is worthy of being a first-round pick, and I just, I can't wait to see what team gambles on him and, and gets him in the first round because I think he will be a first-round pick. Whether it's in the top 10, whether it's later in the first round, Bajan Robinson will be a first-round draft pick. But I'm really curious to see what he can do at the NFL Draft Combine. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that coming up at 425. Uh, plus, we'll also 
discuss what's next for the Arizona Wildcats basketball team after losing to ASU. And now that they got the L.A. schools coming up, man, what's what's it going to be like for Azulus Tubelis? Does he have to have a prove-it weekend if he wants to win Pac-12 Player of the Year? We'll talk about all that later on. Uh, but uh, before we get into the NBA stuff that's happening lately, I want to hear from Andrew on something. Which is weird. So, Andrew, you know me. Um, I am not the most diehard hockey fan out there. Um, but you are. You're a hockey nut. And when I was scrolling through ESPN.com today, the top headline on the website was <laughs> the New York Rangers trading for Chicago Blackhawks star Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. Now, Patrick Kane, I mean, I know who Patrick Kane is. That, that's a household name. Uh, when you talk about the, the latest hockey stars, Patrick Kane is in the upper echelon of that. What can you tell me about this trade and what it means for, for both teams? Uh I mean, aside from the fact that Chicago is a dumpster fire at the moment and they're basically just selling the farm to fund their rebuild, I think they had some hope up until this point, and this probably just shows that they are now fully committed to the rebuild. You don't trade a star who's been with you for, what, 15 years now? Yeah. For, you know, now they're going to actually start rebuilding. But I think it's hysterical that they traded him on paper, for picks, a second round and a fourth round, uh, and only the second round one has a chance to become a first round if the Rangers make it to a conference final. Um, but now the Rangers have Kane, Tarasenko from the Blues, who they just acquired, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Vincent Trocek, which is an insane top six. They can go a long way with those six guys staying healthy and everything through the playoffs assuming they're going to have a playoff berth and everything. I mean, at this point, you'd think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel kind of bad, first of all, for Chicago, and I never thought I'd say that, because the best team in Chicago right now is the White Sox. They, oh, wow. They finished with a five a perfect 500 record last year, 81 and 81. <laughs> wow. Uh, and that's kind of horrible, if you think about it, because you got the Cubs, who were, you know, yeah. They but, they, might, but they just they, won a World Series they, recently. True, yeah. true. But actually, I don't know if the Cubs had a better record than 81 and 81. Someone can correct me on that one. Um, but the Bulls are minus, are sub-500 right now. Uh, the Blackhawks are sub-500 and have completely sold the farm and all their prospects for the next probably three or four years. Or whatever. However long it takes them to rebuild. Uh, who else is in Chicago? The Chicago Bears have the, the Chicago top Bears. pick in the draft. Woo! Man, <laughs> if you're a Chicago fan right now, my condolences, because you're pretty much, like, you're having your, like, Ohio phase right now. Or, as the rest of the country calls it, the Arizona phase. <laughs> because the only the only team I feel worse for in this regard is the Arizona Coyotes, because it's not really being talked about in the headline. But they, the Coyotes are retaining half of Kane's salary, which is $10 million. So Coyotes, mm-hmm. as part of this trade, they're a facilitator retaining 50% of Kane's remaining salary as the Blackhawks retain 50% of what's left of his $10 million cap hit for his contract. They also, The Coyotes also did the same thing with Shea Weber and the Golden Knights. They sent Dyson Mayo and I think a pick 
No. They sent Dyson Mayo to the Knights. The Knights sent them a pick and a dead contract for Shea Weber, who's been retired for two years now, who just has more money coming to him. So instead of being paid by Vegas, he's now being paid by Arizona. <laughs> Kane is now playing for a team that might win a Stanley Cup and is getting paid by Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. The only thing worse right now than being a Chicago Blackhawks fan might be being an Arizona Coyotes fan. <laughs> I'm so sorry to both both of those fan bases. But here's the thing, though. The Blackhawks, they've had their success, right? Yeah. They've actually won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. What did you say has been the Coyotes' <laughs> postseason success? Uh, or just success in general? No Stanley Cups. No conference championships, no president's trophies, which isn't really postseason. That's like top of the league at the end of the season. Um, and they've only won their division once in 27 years. They got a cool arena, though. They did. Nice little <laughs> in- intimate mullet arena. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Arizona Coyotes, the gift that keeps on giving. It's rough right now, man. Yeah. I Man, people ask why I don't cheer for the Coyotes. It's tough. I don't think a lot and, of people cheer, cheer for the Coyotes. But I cheer for the Roadrunners. Yeah. I will fly that flag all day. Yeah. But it's hard, man. Yeah. The Coyotes just they don't they don't inspire a lot of a lot of a lot of faith. A lot of hope for hockey fans Neither here. Even the Blackhawks right now. I have no idea what their plan is. Well, that was the the big uh, trade going on in the NHL. Oh, is the trade deadline this week? Trade I'm assuming. Trade deadline is Friday. Okay. Yep. All and right. And the Coyotes have, for all my Coyotes fans, ha- will have a projected. $16 million in cap space, but they're also paying $24 million uh, to uh, either injured reserve or dead contracts. So do with that what Whoopee. you will. <laughs> All right. Good old Arizona Coyotes. Oh, my goodness. All right, big trade going on in NHL. <laughs> Appreciate our in-house hockey expert, Andrew Trejillo, the Rangers for breaking it down. The Rangers great, though. The Rangers look absolutely fantastic. So if they win the Stanley Cup, is that the first one since 1994? When and, and you want to know the only reason why I know that? <laughs> the only reason why I know, yeah, 1994. It will be the first one. Only reason why I know that it was 1994 was because when they were celebrating their Stanley Cup in downtown New York, having the parade and all that. You were in your mother's womb? No, that was, <laughs> they, that was the, the June 17th, 1994 day. That was the day that had you had uh, Arnold Palmer was playing in his last U.S. Open or something like that. You also had Knicks Rockets in the NBA Finals. Uh, you also had uh, I think there was something going on big with like Ken Griffey Jr. that day. And then of course the the day where everyone decided to stop watching any of the aforementioned things that I just said and decided to turn on the TV and watch OJ Simpson drive down the 405 freeway in LA in his Bronco uh being not chased by Los Angeles Police Department because he wasn't necessarily chased it was more like a motorcade right it, it you don't normally see police officers kind of do that sort of thing but they gave Blind this v. they gave this man a whole motorcade to his to his house and since it was OJ Simpson you know the kind of guy that he was at that time in 1994 I mean retired NFL running back who is the, one of the top rushers in NFL history uh, one of the biggest names uh, just in the entertainment world because of his movie roles and you know what he was doing as a sports media guy he was a football broadcaster on like NBC I think 
So he was like this big name. Everyone wanted to be O.J. Simpson at that time. And then they found out, oh, boy, I do not want to be O.J. Simpson. Uh, so, yeah, June 17th, 1994. Only reason why I know the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup in uh, in 94. <laughs> but, all right, let's talk some NBA real quick before uh, we go to Brendan Deeg and talk some football here. Uh, Andrew, I want you to pull this up. Uh, I actually uh, – <laughs> I was – Going through Twitter, and I saw that Giannis Antetokounmpo went on The Daily Show recently. And I guess they were doing these these things where uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo talks trash. So um, Giannis Antetokounmpo was asked to talk about two players. This first one here, he talked about Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. Joker. And so Giannis Antetokounmpo looked directly in the camera and talked trash to these players. Here's Giannis Antetokounmpo's message to Jokic. Joker, how are you going to make it through the finals where you look like you can barely make it through a Burger King drive through <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, but wait, there's more. So Kevin Durant, now the newest member of the Phoenix Suns. He, he will be making his son's debut during Wednesday's game against the Charlotte Hornets on the road. Would have much rather see him play at home against OKC, but KD will make his son's debut. And, man, honestly, I think this is a brilliant chess move by him because rather than playing against his former team, KD is going to go out and drop 50 against a, a team that's owned by Michael Jordan. Um, I see what you're doing there, KD, but KD has a, a tendency of joining super teams. And, you know, we is it, are the Phoenix Suns considered a super team? I mean, you have Devin Booker, who's a bona fide all-star. Chris Paul's a top five point guard of all time. And you have the number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton, who's a walking double-double. Now, I wouldn't necessarily consider this a super team like we've seen in the past, like with the let's say the Miami Heat with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, or the easy ones, the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors, the team that Kevin Durant played for before this, KD, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. Uh, so Don't Kev- forget Iggy. And, of course, Andre Iguodala. Shame on me for honestly for uh, excluding him. I might just shoot us to commercial right now. Yeah. Oh shoot! I didn't even realize we got we do have to go, go, go to we do have to go to commercial break here very soon. But Kevin Durant, we all know, was a part of the super team with the Golden State Warriors, and Giannis Antetokounmpo had a jab for KD on that. You keep joining super teams to win the NBA title. How about how about we work out together sometime so I can teach you how to carry your own team? Oh! Oh! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Damn. I'll now, get the aloe. Now, uh, this is uh, this will be kind of viewed as Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, talking maybe a little too much trash. Honestly, it's all fun and games, right? I, I, Giannis had a big old smirk on his face. I really don't think that he truly thinks that <laughs> of of Kevin Durant. But man, it's just funny to to hear like. Something that fans have been saying all this time, and then to to hear Giannis come out and say it, I I, I thought was very comical. Um, it does speak to the tone of the NBA that people are worried. Oh, 
Is that going to hurt Katie's feelings? Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of, of hurting one's feelings, uh, I saw this uh, report today that New England Patriots quarterback Mac Jones apparently got his feelings hurt. So according to this, to this report uh, by Fox Sports, Patriots coaches were instructed to not be too hard on Mac Jones in an effort to protect him from being too critical of himself. There was an issue in 2021 with Jones struggling after getting yelled at. And Okay, so two things here. One, Mac Jones is either the softest dude to ever play in the National Football League. Or number two, this report is complete BS because do I got to remind you guys on who this man's college coach was? It's Nick freaking Saban at Alabama. The dude who will always hold you accountable, whether you're a player, whether you're a coordinator. I mean, somebody asked Lane Kiffin, hey, what can you tell us about that verbal exchange that you and Lane Kiffin had? Oh, no, somebody asked Nick Saban that. They're like, so, Coach Saban, what can you tell us about that verbal exchange between you and Lane Kiffin, your offense coordinator on the sideline? And Nick Saban said, I don't call that an exchange. I call that an ass-chewing. So, Nick Saban, man, he always holds his guys accountable. Mac Jones was the starting quarterback. To me, I just, I, I have a really hard time believing that Mac Jones gets yelled at by Bill Belichick and then just shuts down. And if, if he does... What the hell happened to Mac Jones? <laughs> Come on, man. All right, we'll we'll talk more about this. Plus, we'll also talk about other NFL headlines. Plus, the NFL draft is coming up. We're going to discuss all of that with Brendan Deeg from The Score coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Lots of things happening in the NFL this offseason. Let's uh, talk about it with our good friend Brendan Deeg from The Score. Brendan, how's it going, my man? I'm doing well in, uh, in my in my Toronto land where I'm from. It's uh, a lot of news going on with the Leafs, so it's exciting times for uh, for me because uh, Eagles, of course, lost in the Super Bowl, so still recovered from that. But uh, I the transition from football to hockey and basketball has been a lot easier this year for me with the Leafs uh, making all these moves and look like this could be the year we actually win a playoff series. Well, not so fast, Brendan, because the New York Rangers making that trade for uh, Patrick Kane today. What do you, what do yeah. you make of that? No, the, I think they actually kind of got him a little bit of a discount. I haven't really fully read the trade, but it's something it was like a second or fourth round pick. Um, the East is just absolutely, it's a gauntlet. Like the the best teams in the NHL are basically all of the Eastern Conference. The same, I think like the top seven best records are in the East. So um, whoever's getting out of that, whoever's going to the Stanley Cup Finals, the East is going to be dead by the time they even play the West in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, do you guys talk about the Arizona Coyotes on the show? Uh, not really, uh, because they just <laughs> absolutely stink. Uh, our, yeah, our, that's fine. Our amazing uh, producer Andrew, he actually pointed this out: the Coyotes in the last 27 seasons, they've only won one division title like it, oh. one yeah. division title almost in 27 like, years 
they're they're buying a lot of draft picks right now. Like they're kind of like the the third wheel in all these trades. It, I saw like a funny tweet that's like the Arizona Coyotes are basically like a money laundering business at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's a front. It's it's a front. Uh, the, the Arizona yeah. Coyotes are the biggest front in sports right now. Um, yeah. All right, Brendan. Uh, moving on to the National Football League. Uh, just curious because of course you know you're you know a big follower of the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, Carson Wentz at one point in time was a, a league MVP, right? I mean, he, he was a guy that was one of the best quarterbacks in football. Things were going so well for him. He looked like he was going to be potentially a Philadelphia Eagles lifer. And then he tears his ACL. Now, it kind of it obviously worked out. And, you know, Arizona fans down here know about Nick Foles. And Nick Foles ends up leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl. And then ever since that moment that Carson Wentz tore his ACL, he hasn't really been the same. And now he's been waived recently by the Washington Commanders. So what do you make of just Carson Wentz's football journey ever since he tore his ACL, and, and what do you think is next for him? So I'll start with the last the second question you asked. What's next for him? I don't know. It's really hard to picture an NFL team thinking that he's a starting quarterback. I, I, I'm pretty confident to say that. He will not be starting quarterback in 2023. And do you really want him as a backup is, is a big question. Is he willing to take backup money? Is he willing to sit there, hold the, hold the clipboard for a year, try to be coached up and get better at the game? He's already 30 years old, right? Like I, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing he might even be in the league next year. Like is he even going to have a job? I wouldn't be surprised when training camp opens um, at, the, at the end of July, beginning of August, if Carson Wentz is even on an NFL roster. I, I don't I don't really see a fit anywhere. It, it's going to be really curious to see kind of what's next for him. But going back to your first question, his career, I, I made this joke on my podcast just like 20 minutes ago. Like he, It's almost like ESPN's 30 for 30 documentary worthy. Like It's been that wild of a ride for him. You brought up the 2017 torn ACL. I don't, I think he was I don't think it was that play. So and people kind of forget that in 2019, he carried in a, a talentless Eagles roster to the playoffs. He was throwing to his receivers with Deontay Burnett. Deontay Burnett is currently in the XFL. He was throwing to Robert Davis, who, who doesn't have an NFL or has, has a football job right now. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who is, I don't even know where he is right now, one of the worst kind of Eagles draft picks in recent memory. And he had Zach Ertz. That was basically it. He carried that 2019 Eagles team to a division title, beat the Dallas Cowboys in Week 16, and then beat the New York Giants in Week 17 to secure the division. And then in that playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks in 2019, he took a hit. He went one for three for three yards. And then he was taken out of the game from a Jadavion Clowney hit. It was a very dirty hit. I don't know if you remember this hit. I put it on Twitter um, yesterday if you want to take a look at it. He, Jadavion Clowney was one of the dirty hits I've ever seen in, in playoffs, especially no flag, no suspension. Before that hit, Carson Wentz started 56 games, had 91 touchdowns, 35 interceptions, and 64% completion percentage. After that hit, Wentz started 36 games, thrown for 54 touchdowns, 31 interceptions, almost the same total as before that hit, and 20 left starts. He has a 60% completion percentage. He's been traded twice and now once. So wow. I think that hit is complete. He has never been the same. I, I've watched all of Carson Wentz's career. Every single start is an eagle. That hit, something happened. I don't. Again, it's hard to say if that hit was a direct relation, but I have a hard time believing 
that that wasn't the reason why that he's kind of failed. Like 2020 was one of the most disastrous quarterback campaigns I've seen from an Eagles quarterback. Probably is. It was hard to watch him towards the end. Like he 100% deserved to be benched for Jalen Hurts, and he never started to play in that Green Bay Packers Week 13 game after that. So um, it, it's kind of sad to see as, as a guy who liked Wentz and wanted to root for him. Uh, to see kind of his career crumble like this. And, again, going back to my first answer, I have no idea where he's going to end up. I, again, I have a hard time believing he will be on an NFL roster come training camp. Brendan Deeg from The Score joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. All right, Brendan, uh, still kind of you know staying on the topic of quarterbacks here. Uh, Lamar Jackson's another interesting quarterback this offseason because you know Deshaun Watson and that lucrative contract that he signed uh, with the, with the Cleveland Browns, unfortunately uh, puts Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in a weird situation because Lamar wants that kind of money that Deshaun Watson received. And the the Baltimore Ravens are probably sitting there saying, well, listen, hey, we're not the Cleveland Browns, right? We're not going to – we're not going to – you know, I'm not saying that giving you this kind of money is that kind of mistake, but the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson that money – and it set a very bad bar for the rest of the league. However, we're not going to make that same mistake. So do you think that ultimately the Ravens are going to end up opening up their checkbooks and give Lamar Jackson that kind of money? Or will we see Lamar Jackson play for another team this upcoming season? So if you ask me this question after the season, I would have said I would be like 100% shocked if he was to be dealt. Like I, I, I said once this kind of Super Bowl concluded a couple weeks ago, like it make it doesn't make any sense for the Ravens to to move off of Lamar Jackson. Like he's he's still young, 26 years old. He's still one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. You don't want to go back into that like quarterback no man's land, right? Like if you trade Lamar Jackson, then what? Without Lamar Jackson, Ravens' offense is awful and it's been awful. He's basically been their only good offensive player over the last few years. So just moving him didn't make any sense. And now, like as the time, as the clock is starting to tick, as the weeks and days are starting to go by, I'm starting to believe that this is a real possibility that Lamar Jackson could be traded. So I wrote about this at the score a couple of days ago. Lamar Jackson was offered a contract um, by the Ravens a couple of years ago for $133 million guarantee, or not a couple of years ago, sorry, um, this season, I think it was in September, $133 million guaranteed, $250 million contract, five-year deal. Now, did Lamar Jackson really do enough this season to kind of up that, to up that money? Like, again, this was in September. So like, I don't know what the Ravens are thinking. Like, if you offered them $133 million guaranteed in September, is that like, you're not going to – that's not close to the 200-whatever million that Deshaun Watson got. So I think they're kind of at a standstill here, and something's got to give over the next month or two. The franchise tag um, deadline is March 7th. I'm assuming they're going to franchise tag him over the next few days because that just keeps the negotiations going. They they have time to negotiate. You can't let him hit the open market, right? Like that that just can't happen. You don't just let Lamar Jackson go for nothing. So the franchise tag is very likely coming up. And then, like, if the negotiations weren't better before the franchise tag, are they going to get better after the franchise tag? And Lamar Jackson playing on the franchise tag just doesn't make any sense. Like, what if you don't believe he's a long-term quarterback now, then the then the the price if he does turn into uh, what you think is a franchise quarterback after playing on the tag, the price just skyrockets, right? So. It's it's such a terrible situation for the Baltimore Ravens. Like I feel bad for Ravens fans that this is even going on for them. And I'm starting like I'm almost at fifty fifty now, where I'm starting to believe like a trade is very real and it could be coming over the next couple of weeks. So what do you think about this, Brendan? 
you have Lamar Jackson trying to show the rest of the world that he is capable of being paid among the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and you pair him up with a hungry offensive coordinator who's ready to show the world that he is capable of being a head coach. To me, it seems like Eric Bieniemy and Lamar Jackson could be a thing. Yeah, Washington's a definitely team to watch. I really like the Atlanta Falcons for Lamar Jackson. I think that fit is just money. Like, um, Arthur Smith in that offense, what he ran with Ryan Tannehill, like now you drop Lamar Jackson in that offense, and you, you can the run game that uh, Arthur Smith can come up with, it, like, it will put teams in, in, in whirlwinds. Like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to kind of be a defensive corner going up against them. You have these big guys. Um, you have Kyle Pitts now, Drake London. Like they had a pretty good offensive line last year, surprisingly. Before the season, I thought their offensive line was terrible, but they played well. Like I, I Atlanta needs a quarterback. They're desperate. They have the cap space. They have the draft assets. The draft assets. Sorry, like they they're in a very good spot. I, I feel like look, the Falcons is a great fit. Washington, like I, the thing with Washington, right, is they have so much just garbage going on around them with with uh, Dan Snyder, of course. Uh, and just like who knows what the ownership in the future looks like. Are they going to really, like with this ownership kind of in low, are they going to be willing to open up the checkbook and give Lamar Jackson 200 plus million guarantee? Like, I don't know if a new ownership, you have probably to get someone in ownership to sign off on that. Like, is Dan Steiner going to just pay this, uh, pay Lamar Jackson all his money, then go away and sell the team? Like, that's kind of the, 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 the roadblock for Washington if they want to go get a guy like Lamar Jackson. All right, Brandon, real quick, before we let you go, uh, just, with the NFL Draft Combine going on this week, anything that jumps out to you in regards to the NFL Draft, and is there any prospects that really uh, catch your in- interest? So I'm just kind of starting my draft prep now, just because I had, of course, with the Eagles, I just had a late start, um, and this is my first year covering the, the league full-time. So when I was not covering the league full-time, I, of course, had a lot more time to scout the draft players. So I'm a little late on my draft prep, but I'm, I'm going to be starting this week with the quarterbacks. A non-quarter, like the quarterback class to me is very weird, and it's a hard one to, to dissect. Um, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the draft just uh, from what I've seen so far, but... He's 5'10", reportedly. Todd McShay had a report that he's under six feet. Um, you know, Alabama might have been lying kind of about his height over his career there. How teams are going to view him is going to be very interesting. Anthony Richardson's a rising kind of piece in the draft so far. There's like I've seen mock drafts of him even going like first overall now, which is crazy to think about. Um, so those are the kind of two most interesting quarterback prospects, in my opinion. And then you have CJ starting Will Levis. Couple of defensive guys that I'm starting to really like. Devon Witherspoon of Illinois is a cornerback. He's big, he's nasty, he's, he's athletic. He basically was on an island at Illinois last year. I, I really like him. Tyree Wilson at Texas Tech is starting to rise up draft board as well. Teams don't have him, have him as a top five pick. If you want to see like an athletic specimen, go look at Tyree Wilson. Guy is like built in a lab. He's like over six. I think he's like six six. Got the longest arm since Montez Sweat coming out of the draft. That he is an absolute animal. There's even people starting to think that he could even go over Will Anderson in the draft. Wow. Um, so those are the two defensive kind of guys in the top ten that are like Tyree Wilson and Devon Witherspoon. But the draft is going to be set around, of course, who gets the first overall pick. The Chicago Bears pick is now officially for sale. The Bears are shopping that pick. There's 8 to 12 teams reportedly interested. Adam Schefter dropped that as well. So there's a lot going on. And, like, after this combine, you're going to see start, you're going to start seeing some moving pieces. When Jared Goff, when the Rams went up to get the first double pick for Goff, I believe it was like a month before the draft. The draft was April 29th. 
or 26th, I, I believe, April 26th or 28th. So there's going to be some, some wheeling and dealing going on, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see that Bears pick moved by the end of March. Brenda Deeg, NFL news editor from The Scourge and a host of the Double Doink podcast, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and check out his content at thescore.com. Brendan, always appreciate your insight. Thank you, as always. Appreciate you. Have a good one. You too. All right, coming up next, we're giving away a pair of tickets to NASCAR. You want to go see NASCAR, I believe uh, that's this weekend, or no, excuse me, in March. Uh, it's March 10th through the 12th. We have tickets to go see NASCAR. If you want these tickets, we're giving them away. Coming up next. It's Nate Evaldi. No, it's Aovaldi. It's Nate Evaldi. Are you sure? Yes. So my my source says Aovaldi. Your source is not baseball. We have the commentator from the Yankees probably had conversations with Nathan Evaldi, and that's that's the way you should say it too. Nathan Evaldi. From a Houston, a Texas. He goes to Alvin, Texas High School. He like a pasta. He loves his mama so much. He just want to break her down and cry. Ale Valdi. You're listening to Spayers and Alley. Now's the time to give away a pair of tickets to the United Rentals 200 Xfinity NASCAR Series. If you want tickets for that and also two FanShield infield experience wristbands, for March 11th at Phoenix Raceway. Yes, for giving away NASCAR tickets right now. You want tickets to go see NASCAR in March? Call right now. 719-1490, 719-1490. And hey, we're not just giving away one pair. We're giving away two pairs. So callers one and two is getting a pair of tickets. So call right now, 719-1490, and get those tickets today. Do you know how NASCAR was actually named NASCAR, Andrew? I bet no, but I bet you're gonna tell me. <laughs> so there's a guy in, in Mississippi who made some tweaks to his car and got it just zooming. And when he had it parked next to a, you know a bar, you know it, you know some of his buddies came out, and of course this is you know down south, right? So of course they have you know the southern draw. And he said, what do you think about my, my, my car? And he's like, wow, that's a NASCAR. NASCAR. Oh. <laughs> and that's how NASCAR was named NASCAR. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, Arizona basketball here uh, right now because I'm excited for, for this week. Um I think it's we're really going to find out what this team is made of um, because we've seen a lot of good from this year's version of the Arizona Wildcats. But, man, they've had a few bumps in the road, right? I mean, shoot, just going into this year, Tommy Lloyd has had never even lost a home game at Arizona. And I mean, I know that he's only been here for – almost two years completely, but he never lost a home game in his first year at Arizona. And then going into this year, I mean, yeah, you lose the the, the NBA talents like Ben Matherin and Christian Coloco and Dale and Terry, but a lot of people still had high expectations for the Arizona Wildcats and still do. 
But, man, it's crazy to think that, you know, Tommy Lloyd didn't lose a home game last year, and he's already lost a couple this year. And against teams that you never would have guessed to beat Arizona at home, like if you were to tell me at the start of the season, you look at the you look at the schedule, and if you were to pick two teams to beat Arizona at McHale Center, I would have said UCLA and Tennessee. And Arizona beat both of them. And and how they did it too, like Arizona had a very typical win over Tennessee. Like there wasn't there wasn't anything truly special outside of they were just a better team that day and they beat they beat Tennessee. How they beat UCLA though earlier this season, 58 to 52, was the first time that Arizona has scored under 60 points in the Tommy Lloyd era and won. And they did it against a top five UCLA team. So to see that I think was was really cool for this Arizona team. And it shows that they can adapt to really any situation thrown their way. But like I said, if you were to tell me Arizona's losing two home games this year, I would have said Tennessee and UCLA, not ASU and Washington State. But this is kind of a microcosm, or I, mean, I think this really summarizes this year for Arizona. We've seen a lot of good, but man, we've seen some 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 bad setbacks. I'm not going to actually make the ASU loss seem as bad as it is because ASU... I mean, shoot, right now, they're in the top four of the Pac-12 standings. They're a team that's fighting to be in the NCAA tournament. I think ASU is a tournament team. I mean, they've been inconsistent all season long, kind of like a, a Jekyll and Hyde, but I think that Arizona should have beaten ASU. And now that they go into this week, what are we going to see out of Arizona? How can they bounce back? As my... Amazing colleague Bruce Pascoe pointed out yesterday during our, our interview with him. Arizona has yet to lose two games in a row under Tommy Lloyd. They lost on Saturday to ASU. Now they got USC on Thursday at Galen Center. And I think that while Arizona handily beat USC, right? They beat it by 15 points down at McHale Center. This game on Thursday isn't necessarily a gimme because USC's star players had just been playing much better basketball since then. I mean, Boogie Ellis has been putting up, I think, like right around 18 points a game this season. And ever since Arizona's law or win over USC, Boogie Ellis has been arguably the top guard in the Pac-12. So Boogie Ellis is going to give Courtney Ramey and Kirk Creesa some fits. Um, and I think, you you know, USC with Drew Peterson and, and, and also Boogie Ellis and, and also Kobe Johnson, like USC is going to be a handful on Thursday. I'm, I'm just curious how the front court is going to bounce back, right? We've seen Courtney Ramey, Kerr Creesa, Pella Larson, Cedric Henderson, like these, these wings, the perimeter players, they've stepped up over the last stretch. But, man, you look at the last month, Umar Ballo has just been kind of Eh, right? When you think about how he started off the season in the Maui Invitational, how he's been so consistent, Umar Balo is, I'm not going to say disappeared, but like I said, he's just been kind of there. Azulus Tubelis, yes, he's been putting up double figures. Yes, he's you know still averaging a decent amount of points, but Tommy Lloyd said it. 
he was a defensive liability on Saturday. And this weekend, Azulis Tubelas is going to be playing against a guy he is competing against for the Pac-12 Player of the Year. So, Jaime Jaquez, he's going to want to go for 25 against Azulis Tubelas. How will Tubelas defend him? How will Azulis Tubelas step up to the plate and defend guys like Jaime Jaquez and even Drew Peterson with the USC Trojans? This is a huge weekend for a guy like Azulis Tubelas and also Umar Balo. How will Arizona's front court bounce back? I'm curious to see how it does. Uh, if you want to call in and talk Arizona basketball with me, 719-1490-719-1490. What do you make of just kind of the current state of Arizona basketball and Azulis Tubelas? 719-1490 is that phone number. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. Spears and Ali, we will be doing our show live from the Coligar Classic at Omni Tucson National Resort this Thursday and Friday from 3 till 6. You can listen in for interviews with players and organizers of this amazing Tucson tradition. And the Spears and Ali Coligar Classic Broadcast is presented by Chicanos por la Casa, empowering our community. Appreciate uh, our sponsors putting together this broadcast. And I love being able to go to the 19th hole and hang out with all the conquistadors and all the golfers at the Coligar Classic. It should be a great time. I can't wait for that this week. All right, let's go to the phone lines. If you want to call in and talk Arizona basketball with us, 719-1490 is that phone number. And we got Manny joining us on line one. Manny, appreciate your patience. What's uh, what's on your mind in regards to Arizona basketball? Uh, Hey, Justin. Hey, Andrew. What's going on? It's it's going, man. uh, It's going. Yeah, man. Hey. So, first of all, I I don't want to overlook the USC game on Thursday, but I still have a bad taste in my mouth from that comment from Cro, uh, you know, the UCLA coach. Oh, Mick Cronin with the ranking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sits there. He sits there on the bench like he just got dressed at Build a Bear. <laughs> and uh, oh man, you know, he thinks he's all. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we gotta take we gotta take it to them. I I mean, I hope we win both games, but I really want that UCLA game. I'll I'm gonna jump off. And let you guys talk. Appreciate you, Manny. And you know what? I mean, the whole the build a bear comment. I think it's because Mick Cronin is a little man in a suit. That's what it is, right? <laughs> he's a little bald white guy in a suit. I can't say much. He's the he's the the same height as me, so true. But I mean, <laughs> compared to his 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 players, right? And see, that's the thing is you you can't be a short dude and, and be coaching basketball because you just you do not look like the tallest person in the world. But, uh, I don't know, Mick Cronin is just such a bitter person, right? I mean, he, he talks about the the NCAA net rankings and, oh, man, how come how come the, the committee doesn't really like us? You know, the, the net rankings is, is just so bad. We, you know, we need to be, you know, ranked higher. Well, if you look at, you know, UCLA's non-conference schedule – what what wins do they honestly have? 
that really favors their NCAA tournament resume, right? Like all, it seems like all of like UCLA's uh, marquee wins this season have all been in conference play. And you know, Eric, I mean, UCLA they had an opportunity to come down here in Tucson and beat the Arizona Wildcats, but they didn't do that. And so they lost their opportunity to really have that like marquee quad one win, but they didn't do it. They lost fifty eight to fifty two. I'm looking at like their I'm looking at their non conference schedule right now. Yeah, they they lost to Illinois seventy nine to seventy. They lost to Baylor eighty to seventy five. Uh, they beat Maryland eighty seven to sixty. They beat ooh they beat Kentucky. Out there in Madison Square Garden is Kentucky. Kentucky? Is Kentucky what it used to be? I don't think so. Uh, so that's that was the one big non-conference win was was Kentucky. Outside of that, USC or UCLA, they don't really have the, the signature wins. So Mick Cronin can complain all he wants. But at the end of the day, you got to play whoever is in front of you. And I think that UCLA is a really good team. They have talented players. Jaime Jaquez is playing excellent basketball right now. I think UCLA is going to be a problem. They're going to they're going to be a problem in the Pac-12 tournament. They're going to be a problem in the NCAA tournament. And I know for a fact they're going to be ready to go on Saturday against the Arizona Wildcats because the whole you know Roddy Dangerfield thing. We don't get no respect. Well, you end the regular season with a win over Arizona at your home floor and then you put together an impressive run in the Pac-12 tournament, I can assure you that UCLA will be getting that number one seed. But for right now, they're uh, a a surefire number two seed. Uh, In regards to Arizona, right now, some bracketologists have them in the Midwest Regional. UCLA? No, no, Arizona. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they have them in the Midwest uh, region, and there could be a possibility that Arizona plays in Orlando in the NCAA tournament. Orlando. Which would not be ideal. Because I know Arizona basketball fans travel well, but Orlando? Disney World. Yeah, you could parlay Disney World and U of A basketball. Arizona basketball fans are going nuts. Hour number three coming up next. Stay tuned.